Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. to go for it. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. And again, you can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash began. Send messages to the show on Twitter, at go for again. And while you're there, at go for again, give me a follow, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Jam-packed. Rams, Alec Ogletree. Vikings, Brian Robinson. Bills, Lorenzo Alexander. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. And then we're going to sneak in Ryder, assistant basketball coach, Marlon Gill, to get his take on uh, Kevin Garnett, who has retired officially today. Kevin Garnett hangs up the shoes. Great career, obviously. Great, great, great career. Anything is possible! 21 years in the NBA. What a career. What a career. I mean... Obviously, with Minnesota, he was brought there to to to, to be a a veteran guy in the locker room. But this is a guy who who'll be known for me his loyalty. Obviously, his greatness is is goes without saying. But his loyalty, all those years in Minnesota, you know those first round exits, and ultimately, you know he was loyal to that franchise. Had a hard time getting talent around them. Had that one year when they got to the Western Conference Finals where they had Sprewell and Cancel and those boys. But ultimately, it took him going to Boston, joining up with Paul Pierce, joining up with Ray Allen, forming a big three out there in Boston, and ultimately winning a title in 2008, getting back to the finals in 2010. Excuse me. And, and this is a, a guy who's, who's great. I mean, Kevin Garnett is great. One of the best power forwards to ever do it. 15-time All-Star. Again, a guy who, first guy to come from high school in 20-plus years. I mean, he came to high school, came out of high school in 1995. And he was the guy that kind of got that going again. You know, got the guys coming from high school after him. Kobe came. Jermaine O'Neal came. And so on and so forth. But, I mean, he was the guy that led that that generation of going from the going from high school to the NBA. And it's it's weird. It's funny. It, it's I guess it's just the way it should be. Kobe goes out, Duncan goes out, and Kevin Garnett go out all in the same year. And, and on some levels, the changing of the guard in the NBA even though that guard really already has changed. This is LeBron's league at this point. This is LeBron's league. 
And I, I think that goes without saying. This is LeBron James's league. Steph Curry had a little, you know, he had a little run there. You thought maybe Steph Curry could could possibly it could possibly be his league, but this is LeBron's league. This is LeBron's league. But you know, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, you know, they 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 leave with the NBA in good hands. Whether it is a LeBron James, you know, who who obviously is the best player, the greatest player in the world, whether it is a Steph Curry. I mean, they left – the NBA is in good shape right now, in very good shape. Duncan left, Kobe left, and now Kevin Garnett leaves. Well, let's bring in a guy now, Ryder, university assistant basketball coach, man who has a lot of love for Kevin Garnett. Let's bring him in, Marvin Gil- Marlon Gill. Marlon. My man, my man, my man. What's up? How you doing? How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. This news is uh, it's it's not surprising, but it's a little bittersweet, man, because it means we're getting old, Paul. That is true. That is true. That's a good point. So it, it you know, I, I guess we just all have to accept age and father time, and uh, you know, it wins all the these time. guys. Yes, yes. Seeing these guys leave, it's uh, bittersweet. But, you know, at the same time, we understand that uh, time waits for no man, huh? Unfortunately. Fortunately and unfortunately, <laughs> I guess, at times. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, you watched Kevin Garnett his whole career, his whole 21 years. Obviously, he calls it quits at this point in time. How do you remember Kevin Garnett? Oh, man, where do I start? Uh, It's one of those things, man, growing up, you know, even at my size, 6'2", we wanted to be Kevin Garnett where where I was from just because it it was a guy that we could relate to. I mean, you know, everybody talks about, you know, Allen Iverson being the Generation X's guy, but before Allen Iverson, there was – Kevin Garnett, you know, to come into the NBA at at 19 years old. Uh, And and the one thing that I I think us younger guys at the time, while we related to Kevin Garnett, was one, he had all the Nike sneakers that we wanted growing up. Uh, (laughs) You know, whether it was the Air Jordan uh, 11s or, or the Jason Kidd Nike Zoom Air 95s, or the Air Max up tempos at the time, he wore all those sneakers in one year. And, you know, as a kid, you idolized him because he was you. He came from the area that, that you came from. Uh, the same way we played pickup in the playground is the way he played on the court in the arena. So it's one of those things that we felt we could relate to him. Uh, you know, it's a sad day to see him go. But the thing that I would like to remember him for is, and what I would like a lot of younger guys to remember him for is, this guy was the ultimate team player. Uh, you, you look at what he did in Minnesota, you know, not a big market, but even with everything they had, you know, he could have been the guy and said, yo, I'm taking 20 shots every night. But, you know, you look back to his rookie year, he had Isaiah Ryder who took 
majority of the shots. Then you had Doug West on that team, Tom Gugliotta, and so on and so on. So what does he do? He takes a back seat for the betterment of the team. Uh, going into that, his second season uh, with, with my guy Steph, everybody knows I'm a Stephon Marbury fan, and you know I I hope that marriage w- would have worked out, but you know Steph, it I'll, admit it. I'll, I'll admit it for him, he was wrong. Uh, right. But then again, there's another situation where Kevin becomes a, a team player, and I, I read somewhere today where uh, you know the late Flip Saunders kind of compared them to. John Stockton and Carl Malone 2.0, where Steph said, well, I'm not going to be no John Stockton. And even if he did say that or didn't say that, KG takes a back step, you know, to say, hey, okay, if you want the love, you can go get it, but let's win as a team. And, you know, going on, so on and so on. And then when he gets to the Celtics, uh, you know, the first thing he did when he got there, now I've heard this story, uh, numerous times, and there's another story I'd love to tell you guys before we uh, get off the air, but when he first got to Boston, the one thing that he told Doc Rivers, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce was, hey, let's get all the BS out the way. You know, we've all done what we need to do individually. What the F do we have to do to win a championship? And that's big, you know, just in today's game where guys want to go get theirs. Here's a guy saying, what do we need to do? Not what I need to do. What do we need to do to be successful? And, and, you know, he sacrificed everything from being a great offensive player to probably being, I think he won defensive player of the year that that year, if if I'm not mistaken, you know, of of changing his game and then sliding over to the five, too, which is not an easy position. But here's a guy now who's used to playing a four, you know, guarding the – Carmelones of the world, Charles Barkley's, so on and so on, and now you got to go guard the Shacks of the world, and never complained, went out and and did his job. So, you know, th- those are the things that that I really remember about uh, Kevin Garnett, and, and that I'll miss. So luckily, we have uh, NBA TV, and they have these hardwood classic games that, that we can watch, and uh, you know. I have a lot of VHS tapes that I can watch. So uh, you, you know, show your age. Really, I am. I am. I am. But you know, when, when you talk about a guy like Kevin Garnett, I, I don't mind that at all. Um, and, and the one thing that that I, I really, you know, want people to know, like I, I tell this story quite often. Uh, his first year in Boston, I was working at St. Peter's, and we actually had a chance to go up. Boston, uh, their assistant coach, Michael Lungombardi at the time, and my former boss, John Dunn, are, are very good friends. So we decided to go up to uh, Boston for practice just to take it in. It was an off day for us, so we, we took the four-hour drive up to Boston. And uh, it was during the middle of the season. And, you know, it's uh, 82-game season is a pretty long stretch. So, you know, you're going to have some lapses. And uh, there was a story that we had heard prior to getting there uh, that Michael told us. And it was that Kevin Garnett is, believes he's the best pick-and-roll big in the NBA, by, by far, hands down. And um, so we get there, and the past couple games, Kevin has been getting killed on pick-and-rolls. So we're up there at the practice, and they're working on pick-and-roll defense. Now, for those of you that have been to – 
the Celtics practice facility in, in Walton, Massachusetts. It's two courts in a building. So they're all on one court practicing, and they're going through this pick-and-roll defense, and Kevin's getting killed again to the point where Doc can't even watch it anymore. A uh, friend of Doc Rivers, the head coach at the time, he can't even watch it. So and this is a true story. He subs Big Baby into the game for Kevin. And Big Baby runs onto the court like he's supposed to and, you know, gives Kevin a little tap like, hey, man, I got you. And Kevin tells him, get off the court. So, you know, now Big Baby's a jam now. He's only a rookie at this time. So, you know, do you listen to the vet or do you listen to the head coach? Tough situation here. So he just stands there. And Garnett says, yo, get off the court. So he gets off the court. Now, Doc doesn't know what's going on right away. So he ends up just, you know, getting back into live action playing, and he notices that Big Baby's back on the sideline. So the play is over, you know, and Doc goes back to Big Baby. says, no, didn't I just sub you in for Kevin? So Big Baby sprints off to the court again. And Kevin now is a little more aggressive. And, hey, didn't I tell you get the bleep off? And now Big Ben is a real jam now. It, it was a tough one at first, but it, it's an even tougher situation now. So Big Baby gets off the court. Now, Paul, this is a true story. I, I'm not BSing you on this. I saw it with my own eyes. So Big Baby gets off the court, and now Doc's like livid. So he, he blows the whistle, and he tells Kevin, Kevin, we're not going to continue practicing until you get off the court. So Garnett stands there for about two minutes, and everybody's like looking, like, "Hey, is he, is he going to test Doc's authority, or is he going to get off his court?" So being the team guy that he is, you know, Kevin gets off the court, and they resume practice. And Paul, maybe about a minute later, everybody's watching practice on the main court, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you just hear, "Pick up, pick up, pick up." Deny, deny, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. The guy had gone to the other court in the practice facility and worked on pick and roll defense by himself with invisible players. Never seen anything like that in my life. And, you know, that right there just showed me. I I looked at my boss at the time and said, hey, you think we could get his son or if he has any kids and bring them back to St. (laughs) Peter's with us? Because if they have that half what he has and what he brought to the game, we're going to be all right. So, you know, like I said earlier, it's a big loss for the NBA. Uh, Big loss for me personally, uh, just being a Kevin Garnett fan, um, you know, for everything he's meant to the game. And, you know, just what about the year that that we've had, uh, you know, with Kobe retiring, Tim Duncan, and now, uh, you know, Kevin Garnett retiring. I, I'll tell you what, I, I made a joke about this a couple of days ago. That uh, 2021 Hall of Fame enshrinement, I'm buying my tickets from now. <laughs> because those three guys, That's a good thing all, as a fan, it, it's going to be un- unbelievable. And, and it's something where, you know, I'd love to tell my kids that, hey, I saw these three guys go into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, just with everything they've done to the game and done for the game, you know, it's a personal thank you uh, to those guys and, you know, to, to Kevin today. 
for sure. I mean, obviously, you're a big Kevin Garnett fan. I mean, some great, great stories about the great Kevin Garnett. We're talking to Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. What I remember about Kevin Garnett, and the one word that comes to me is loyalty. All those first-round exits in Minnesota, and he stayed, and he stayed, and he stayed. And then ultimately, they broke through. Spreewell came along. Cassell came along. And they were able to get to the Western Conference Finals. And I know they didn't win a championship that year. But they finally, and Kevin Garnett finally got out of the first round. To me, the, the one word is, is loyalty when I think of Kevin Garnett. Just loyalty. I, I agree. But there's also a saying, man, loyalty will sometimes get you fired. True. And uh, I, th- I think in Kevin's case, he was almost loyal to a fault. And, you know, maybe he waited a year too long in, in Minnesota. You know, I-, I also think if they could have figured out their behind-the-scenes stuff as far as that 2014, you know, with Spreewell's contract, Cassell, Zerbiak, you know, things of that nature. If they could have figured that out, maybe they, they would have had one more year. And, and, you know, is that Kevin's fault for staying too long? Yeah and, and, and no. But, um, you know, I, I understood where he was coming from with that. Uh, you know, it, it's an old-school trait to be loyal. But, you know, like I said, sometimes loyalty can get you fired or loyalty can lead to your downfall a little bit. So, uh, and, and even look at it this way, man. Just being out in Minnesota, it's not a big market. Could you imagine if, if he would have played in a Los Angeles or a Chicago or a New York, the notoriety that he would have even more than what he has now? Uh, you know, it, it's top notch. Um, you know, so I, I, I'll tell you what, there needs to be some loyalty from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, hopefully they bring him back in the front office position. Uh, I, I would say this, if I'm Nike, Adidas, uh, and any of those other shoe companies that, that he wore, do what you need to do and, and honor that guy the, the correct way because he deserves it in, in every sense of the word. Um, but, you know, great career. You know, what else can I say? For sure. Marlon, we, we got to run, man. It was a pleasure jumping on here, man, talking about the great Kevin Garnett. Can't wait till the NBA season starts, man, so we can talk some more. No, no problem. You got it, my man. I know it was last minute, so I appreciate it, man. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Hall of, I'm not a Hall of Famer. Well, maybe it could be a Hall of Famer at some point. But Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill. We're going to bring in a guy now. St. Lo- uh, not the St. Louis Rams, Los Angeles Rams. They moved to Los Angeles. They got the victory against the Seattle Seahawks. And one reason or one man that helped them get this victory is this guy. We're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. Linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams, Alec Ogletree. Alec, how are you? Let's bring him in now. Linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams, Alec Ogletree. Alec, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. You guys beat the Seahawks again, 9-3. to three. Yeah. The fourth time in the last five games that you beat the Seahawks. 
What is it about you guys and the Seahawks? I don't know, man. I mean, you know, we know it's going to be a tough game every time we play them. So, you know, guys definitely come with their mind right, knowing that they're going to have to play a four sixty minute game. You know, it's going to definitely always come down to, you know, the last play of the game. You know, we always feel like we can play with anybody in the league. And, you know, Seahawks are in our division. So, you know, we, we see them twice a year. So, you know, you kind of learn about each other a lot as you play each other, especially if the team kind of stays the same. So, you know, it's right now, you know, I said we we are we're doing what we have to do to to win the game, you know, and you know, that's all you can ask for. You made the play that put the game away, forcing and recovering uh the Christian Michael fumble. Take us through that play. Uh well I you know, I I dropped back. We was in a man coverage actually and uh you know, me and me and the other one back was technically like doubling the running back, but I kinda dropped back a lot farther than he did, and, you know, it just kind of really gave him the, the 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 back. And so, you know, I, like I said, he, he had him, and, you know, the quarterback scrambled around, and, you know, we, he forced him, we forced him to throw to check it down to the running back, and Mark forced him back into me. And, you know, the, the debate is still up about who caused the fumble, but, you know, I see, I say I caused it, he say he caused it, but, you know, it was, it was a great play by, by both of us. So, you know, it was, it was just – it was just uh, one one good play, you know, that, at the time that we needed it. And, you know, I'm glad that we was able to get the ball back. What did it feel like to get that first victory in L.A., the first football game in L.A. in 22 years? What did it feel like, man? Man, it, it felt good. It felt wonderful. Um, you know, like you said, it's, it's been a long time since, uh, you know, football's been played out here. And, you know, for us to come back home and, and get a home win, you know, that's, you can't. You can't really draw it up any better, and you know that to beat a division opponent and you know uh, defending. I mean, not, not defending Super Bowl, but you know they've been into the Super Bowl and stuff. So, and you know, it's, like I said, it's just a great win. You know, we appreciate all the fans and stuff that were there to support, and you know, hopefully we can continue to uh, to, to give them more wins and you know win a lot more games. So, we're talking to Rams middle linebacker Alec Ogletree. And, Alec, week one, not a good performance on both sides of the ball. You called a team meeting before the Seahawks game. Tell us what you said. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you everything I said, but, you know, the gist of it was to, you know, make sure that everybody's mind was just on the right same page and knowing that we had we had to play a full 60-minute game to, to win that game uh, this past weekend. So, you know, that was really the gist of it, you know, um, you know, the captains, everybody, everybody's thinking the same thing. But, you know, it's just us as players, you know, we just want to make sure that, you know, everybody's thinking the same thing and, and you know, going to go out there and do the, do what they have to do to win the game. And, you know, like I said, that was the gist of it. So. Did you feel like you fired your guys up, though? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a more, it wasn't even really like a pump up to, fire anybody else just you know like I said just to make sure you know we all on the same page you know it's just that okay. was the main thing I don't, I don't think we needed any more pump up than we did from you know our butt whoop on Monday night you know so and, and going against the Seahawks to play in the division of games so you know like I said we, we take pride in what we do and you know uh, like I said we came out and got the win. Was that speech to the team an example of your growth as a leader of this football team, as one of the leaders of this football 
Uh, I mean, I guess you could say that. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I felt like, you know, something needs to be said. And, you know, I, I definitely wanted to step up my leadership role as one of the captains on this team. And, you know, just make, like I said, it's just, it was more so just to make sure we all thinking the same thing and on the, on the same page and, and what, when we go out there the next day to play against the Seahawks. So. Well, is that something you would have been comfortable doing, say, one, two years ago? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we we just I was just kind of still trying to find my way, find where I fit in at on this team, and you know, just making sure I was doing my job. But you know, once you get comfortable enough with the guys you're in the locker room, they respect you. You know, it's it's not it's not anything that you should be afraid to do. You know, they they voted as captain for a reason, and you know, it's something needs to be said. They they definitely look to the captains to say it first. So you know. Oh, that was all. But you know, I I can't say I would have said something like that two years ago or something like that. But you know, it's about now. We're talking to Rams middle linebacker Alec Ogletree. Now, Alec, you're going. You went from the outside to the inside, middle linebacker. Talk about the transition for you at this point of the season. Uh, the, the transition's been going good. Um, you know, for for me, this is my third year in the defense, so. You know, I definitely had uh, some experience um, in the defense, and you know, to be able to uh, move to middle linebacker, it, it wasn't like super, super hard for me, you know, to to do that. So, um, you know, it's like I said, I thank thank God we got some guys on the team that that have been in the defense just as long as I have. So, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of time trying to tell somebody what what else what they need to do, and. Um, you know, you just kind of go out there and just play and, you know, get the call and go about your business. So, You like being in the middle? I do. I do. I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, if I'm when I'm in the middle, you know, can't nobody just really – I get to see everything. I don't have to run through anybody or, you know, chase play half of the field. You know, I get to play the whole field and just, uh, you know, go back and forth and make a lot of tackles and, you know, control the defense, you know, so. So defensive assistant, the great Mike Singletary, says that you could be one of the best. That's high praise, man. So when you hear that and when you heard that, like, what goes through your head? I mean, it's just, it just shows, it's just a blessing, man. I mean, he's he's definitely one of the greatest linebackers to ever play this game, man. You know, one of the all-time great players to ever play, um. You know, for him to say that about me, it just gives me a little more comfort in, in uh, my ability to play the position and, and, you know, go out there and do what I need to do to, you know, hopefully one day walk in his shoes. Is Mike Singletary scary? Is he scary? Yeah. No, nah, he's, he's, he's really not, man. He's, he's a good dude. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not, like, super loud, but... You know, you can tell he's he's intense about uh what what he does, and and, and um you know it just I just try I try to pick his brain a little bit just to see what he saw, and um uh, you know he he's been he's been a, a great help to me, so and I'm definitely glad to have him in the building. Now this summer you you were on Hard Knocks, and and, and we saw that you you had a baby, man, and you your daddy at yep. this point. How's fatherhood for you? Fatherhood's been good, man. The, the little moments I get to spend with him, you know, I definitely enjoy and, and, and uh, cherish those moments because, you know, football is a 
a grind throughout the whole season. So, you know, it, it takes a whole lot to, you know, raise raise a kid and, you know, to have my wife, you know, be here and raise him. You know, she's doing a great job with him. And, and she got a little help. So, you know, like I said, the, the little moments I get to spend with him, you know, I definitely cherish them. So, so as a whole, how, how was the Hard Knocks experience, man? Cameras following you everywhere, all that stuff. How was the experience? No, it was good. It was good. We they 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 did a great job. You know, they they weren't really like annoying or anything like that. You know, they they came and and asked questions and did what they had to do um, and got out your way. You know, they let you work. You know, they like I said, they kind of stayed in the background a lot and didn't really like bother you too much. I mean, they did a lot of filming. You know, at first it was kind of like weird because you know you just look up and they're they're right there. You know, behind you, but. You know, at the end of the day, it's like I said, they they did a great job with with it, and uh, you know, we enjoyed it. Now you are in LA now. I mean, before you were in St. Louis, obviously the team is LL is in LA. How do you like LA, man? LA's been fun. LA's been real fun, man. No complaints, you know, since we moved out here. Uh, you know, we're definitely enjoying the weather and and you know, just the whole living in Cali experience. Uh, we haven't really had a bad experience out here, so you know we all settled in. Everybody's you know been super nice that we've encountered, and you know just welcoming us to the city. So you know I have no complaints. So you like the left coast? Yeah, no, I, I enjoy. I enjoy. I definitely enjoy the west coast. Not so, so I, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I would live here for the rest of my life, but you know, uh, okay. For the time that I'm here, I'm definitely enjoying myself. That traffic is awful. Yeah, oh yeah, that traffic is something crazy. That's that's why I said I don't know if I can live here forever. <laughs> I have to deal with that for the rest of my life. <laughs> Going back to Georgia or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so l- let me ask you this. I mean, in L.A., there's a lot to do, a lot to do for the fans. I mean, but in, in your mind, what is the difference between the St. Louis fans in comparison to the LA fans? Is there a difference? No, I mean if you if you it's not really like I feel to me it should be just a Rams fan. Like, you know, we've played in we've been to both cities, so, you know, I felt like it was definitely bittersweet to leave guys that played in St. Louis, you know, because you definitely develop a uh you got into the community there and, you know, develop you know, friendships with some people there too. So it's, it's sad to, you know, that you had to leave them. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, we still, still, I like to say, Ramley. You know, because you know, we once wore St. Louis Rams, now we back to the LA Rams. You know, so it's 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 kind of bittersweet for both both parts. You know, people sad when they left from here, and now they happy came back. And you know, so St. Louis sad right now a little bit, but. You know, it's like I said, it's it's all good, man. You know, we still get some support from uh, St. Louis. You know, I get people hitting me from on Twitter. You know, from St. Louis. So, you know, I definitely appreciate it. We're talking to Rams middle linebacker Alec Ogletree. Because you're new to LA, because the team is new to LA at this point. Do you feel the pressure to win now? Uh, I mean, it's not so much as being new here to feel the pressure to win now. I mean, we got a lot of guys that's been on this team for a while, and you know, we there's no excuse for us not to win. I mean, we've been we've been hearing all the stuff of you know 
they're moving here, they're moving there, you know, and that that really doesn't matter as long as you line up on Sundays because to play games, that's all that matters. Um, you know, we have our practice facility, we have everything that we need to, uh, you know, get ourselves prepared for the game, to win games. So, you know, like I said, it's, there's no excuses for us to, you know, not win. Um, you know, we definitely go out there every Sunday looking to win. We don't go out there looking to lose or maybe hopefully win. There's nothing like that, so. So let me ask you this now. I mean, you get the victory against the Seahawks. You, you got to travel now. You got to go from the left coast to the east coast out there to Tampa. Talk about what yeah. you guys need to do to keep that momentum going against the Buccaneers. Um, we're going to have to, uh, you know, do what we did last week, stop the run and, you know, play play good in all three phases. Um, it's gonna, like I said, it's going to take a – a full 60-minute game every every week and, you know, make sure that we're doing what we have to do um, on offense, defense, and special teams to, you know, win this game. So, you know, I feel like, we, like I said, we're going to have to stop the run and, you know, put up points and, and just do what we did, you know, last week to, to, to win the game, and if not more. So, What have you seen from Jameis Winston in terms of some of the film that you watched? What have you seen from him? Uh, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a leader um, on that team, and he's he's not afraid to show you, show you that and tell you that. Um, you know, he takes pride in what he do. You can tell that he's he's understanding a lot more about you know defenses that you know are being thrown at him, and you know he's making great throws. And he's got big receivers. He's got a great running back, great old line. They really got a great team down there, and uh, you know, like I said, it's gonna be a challenge for us. Man. But you know, we prepared too, and we, like I said, we're gonna be ready for this weekend. So, as a whole, I mean, offensively, you guys have struggled a little bit, but as a whole, the team, as a whole, still has a faith in Case Keenum as the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, who, whoever's that quarterback is, we're gonna definitely put our faith in. You know, the coaches, you know, they made the decision for a reason. You know, they. Felt Case was the guy for us to start the season, and you know that's what we're going to run with. Um, you know we're behind Case 100, percent and you know um, until otherwise, you know we we'll, we still will be behind them. Um, right now, like I said, we we hopefully uh, we score some more points this weekend, and you know we get all the naysayers out of there. You know once I felt like I told everybody else, man. We, I feel like once we start scoring some touchdowns here, you know, it's, it's, they're going to pile on real fast, and it's going to shock a lot of people. You know, they they had a they had a tremendous uh, camp, and you know, they did a lot of great things over the summer. So, you know, they definitely had the potential to do it. Now it's just all about uh, putting it together on Sunday. So, for sure. So, how good do you think Jared Goff is going to be? I know he's still progressing, but how good do you think he can be in this league? I mean, he can be he can be as good as he want to be. I mean, it's it's totally up to him how much work he put in, and you know you can tell he has the arm strength and you know the mental part of it too to you know be a good quarterback in this league whenever he gets his chance. Um, you know, like I said, we uh, the coaches they made a decision to draft him number one, and you know he's he's been doing everything he needs to do um, for us to. Uh, you know, get better every day, and, and you know that's all you can ask for. Him. Sounds good. So, so fans, make sure you hit this man up on his website, alecogletree52.com. Hit him up on Twitter 
at Mr. Ogletree 52. Support all the great things going on with Alec Ogletree. Alec, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Enjoy your baby, and let's do it again. Will do. Appreciate it. Rams, Alec Ogletree. Pleasure talking to him. Rams get a big victory against the Seahawks last week, nine to three. They can be they have an easy time with the Seahawks. It seems. I mean, they're able to beat the Seahawks consistently, and they beat them last Sunday. They they need a little bit more from that offense. Case Keenum, Jarek Off, whoever it is, they need more from that offense if the Rams want to get better. But we'll see what happens. Talking to Alec Ogletree. We're going to bring in a guy now, a Hall of Famer, talk about last week's NFL action, talk about a little bit of this week's NFL action. Let's bring him in, Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Willie. Well, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Now, Willie, last night, I mean, the Patriots, 27 to nothing, domination, over the Houston Texans. It don't matter if it's Garofalo. It don't matter if it's Brissett. It just don't matter. The Patriots keep moving and moving and moving. You hear the talk. You hear a lot of talk. Everybody's saying possibly after Garofalo having this success, after Matt Castle having the success, and now after Brissett having success with this Patriots offense, that Tom Brady could be a little overrated. I think it's ridiculous. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I understand that they've been playing well, but I, I do think that's ridiculous. I mean, what what Tom Brady's been able to do, especially in the big games. I mean, it's early in the season. We know the pressure gets on you in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I don't think they won the Super Bowl without Tom Brady being the quarterback there. So. Uh, these other guys are doing good. I don't understand. I mean, Houston did not even show up to play. J.J. Uh, Watts, and, and you would have thought they would have put some pressure on the quarterback with Watts and with uh, um, uh, the uh, the first-round pick who hasn't really done a lot. The uh, Clowney, I mean, he just, I mean, I, they used to just think they were going to walk out there and walk over those boys. I mean, they never got anything going. They fumbled the kickoff return. It was a it was just a real ugly game, and, and you know, you go up there and you got all your men, and you got Gronkowski who isn't a hundred percent, and you got the quarterback out, you know, this and that, and and uh, you know, Blunt is playing uh, the, the running back, the line, and the, and the running back Blunt is playing great football. Uh, you know, they dominated him in all three phases. They did. I mean, this it was a it was a dominating performance by the Patriots, and. I mean, no matter who their quarterback is, whether it's me or you, I mean, it seems like this team continues to win and continues to move forward. I mean, 3-0 at this point. At this point, next week is house money. Brissett did hurt his thumb, so we don't know who's going to be the quarterback, whether it's Garofalo, whether it's Brissett, or whether it's somebody else off the street at this point. But it doesn't seem to matter because the Patriots find a way to win no matter who they plug in. It, it seems like it's plug and play, and everything seems to work for the New England Patriots, but 3-0 and at this point in time. Let me ask you this, Willie. I mean, you have Jay Cutler now in Chicago. Uh, horrible performance against the Philadelphia Eagles. Hurt his thumb at this point. 
I mean, it, it was an awful performance by Jay Cutler. I mean, it, what's your thoughts when you see Jay Cutler? I mean, it's not just the way he plays, the expression on the stage. He doesn't look like he wants to be there. You know, it'd be one thing to not be playing as well, but, I mean, the guy just looks like he doesn't really care. So, when, you know how they say, you know, just like they talk about Dwight Howard or guys not taking it seriously, they laugh too much, you know, smile too much. He just doesn't look like he has any emotion. He doesn't look like he's trying to make the players better. You know, he has any energy or, like, anything that's bothering him. You know, he would think he would be upset, but he doesn't look like he really cares. He does have bad body language. I mean, you know, whether he cares or doesn't care, but the, the body language is awful. Yeah, look, look at Wentz. I mean, Wentz got hit. He was jumping around. He was emotional. He was excited. I mean, you can tell that kid wants to play. He's excited about playing. He's passionate about the game. You know, they can analyze the numbers and what he's doing. And, you know, what, but he plays. He stands in the pocket. He gets hit. He gets up, he competes. I mean, he gives everybody fired up. That's what a quarterback's supposed to do. He's supposed to be excited about their going and playing, and that's what Wentz is doing. He's getting guys excited, guys want to rally around him. He's making guys play harder, and, and that's what the quarterback position has to do to make the team productive. For sure, and, you know, obviously, obviously he's going to be in Chicago. I mean, there's really nowhere around it when he's healthy. He's probably going to get his starting job back unless Brian Hoyer really, really balls out. They're probably stuck with him for the rest of this year. But I can't imagine if if this season goes awry, if this season goes bad, that Jay Cutler will be around next year. I don't think it, – it, it can't happen. Well, I don't know how much more guaranteed money he's got on that contract, but that was part of the reason, too. They didn't get out money that contract. What's it making? Fifteen million a year. So, well, they did say they did you know. say if, if they were to re- release him, if they were to release him, that they would take a two million dollar cap hit if they trade or release him. But it said it would open up thirteen million worth of space. So I guess on some level they can make the move, but we'll see if they make the move. I mean, I think you gotta. I think you gotta give them the year. Let's see what happens. I mean, I, I, yeah, they can't release them now. They can't release them now. If they release them now, they got to pay them themselves. They can't do it now. The season started. Right. So, I mean, it's they're stuck with them. I mean, it is what it is at this point. If you're you're a Bears fan, if you're, I, I was one. I mean, and, 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 I, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it's just him. The line wasn't playing well. No, he just okay. wasn't playing well. You know what? And to, in his defense, he really had no time. He had no time on, on uh, Monday against the Eagles. I mean, he, he at times he was running for his life. So, and, and over years, they've had a hard time finding the right offensive line and putting the offensive line around him. So, you know, to his defense, the offensive line really – has not been that good. Go ahead, and that's, and that's, the, that's the crazy thing about New England. They have the starting tackles out. They have some young guys in there. And it's like whoever they put in there, these guys 
whoever the, whoever the scouting department who scout talent, who finds talent, I will say this: in the last whatever years, the scouting department, those guys they plug in, and some of these receivers you don't know about, and these players that go to some teams and they're really not that productive. A lot of them on other teams, but they do a great job getting guys that fit their system as far as pressing on to all. And for the most part, other than that, uh, in their situation, pretty clean-cut lace guys that work hard and can, can stay clean and don't get in a lot of trouble. I mean, it, it, you're right. I mean, it, it's in a lot of positions, it's plug and play. And they just find a way. Like you said, to find that talent to keep the ship moving, and then the ship is moving and continues to move. And wow, I mean, it's it's incredible. We're, we're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Let me ask you this, Willie: We got Dak Prescott in Dallas, who's playing well. Carson Wentz in Philly, who's playing well. I mean, is it has the game got easier for the quarterback? I mean, obviously, we're, we're seeing a lot of teams run college-style offenses, but has the game gotten easier for the quarterbacks? I'm not going to say it's gotten easier for the quarterbacks. I'm going to say those two quarterbacks had long college careers. Dak Prescott started for a few years in a real good college program. Uh, Carson Wentz started at, at North Dakota State, who had a real good football program. Both of them were there four or five years. And uh, put their time in, and they learned. They learned the craft, and you know, Dak uh, Prescott hadn't thrown the touchdown yet, but he hadn't thrown an interception. And I think uh, just nobody has played at the level and done as well as uh, Carson Wentz since the merger in 1970. He hadn't thrown an interception, and uh, the completion rate uh, since 1970. So these guys are turning the ball over. You know, they're not turning the ball over. Um, Carson Wentz is going to have a big test this week, but uh, I just think they were real good college football players that came in the league and and uh, just were ready to play. And Carson Wentz, to your point, seventy-one attempts, no interceptions thus far. Dak Prescott, seventy-five attempts, no interceptions at this point. I mean, these guys are protecting the football. You know, one thing you can you can expect from rookies is mistakes and these guys aren't making mistakes and and they're keeping their teams in football games i said this if carson wentz can continue to play this way i'm not expecting big time numbers but if he continues to protect the football with the defense that the philadelphia eagles seem to have at this point eagles can win the nfc east i agree with you I think it's going to get competitive down the road, but I think they can't win in the, If he continues to play like he's playing, they can't win in the NFC East. Right. I mean. They I, got I, some talent on that football team. They got some talent on that football team. They got a lot of talent on that football team. Defensively, I, I really like what they're doing. That front seven is very good in Philadelphia. I mean, they're playing well. Defensively, they're playing good, man. They're playing some good football. And, and we'll see. I mean, obviously a big test against the Steelers. Browns is not a very good football team. Bears not a very good football team. So we'll see what the te- what happens against the Steelers. I mean, that's going to be a test for Carson Wentz. It's going to be a test for that Philadelphia Eagle defense. So we'll see 
what happens. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And Willie, let me ask you this. You got Adrian Peterson now. Could be out for the year. You're the Minnesota Vikings. You lose Teddy Bridgewater. You lose Adrian Peterson. And defensively, they're good. They're a very good team on, on the defensive side of the football. But can they overcome the loss of Adrian Peterson? Well, I mean, I think they have to have a running back by, by committee. As long as they can get, uh, keep them honest, you know, I think what's going to hurt them more than the Adrian Peterson loss for that offensive line is losing uh, their kid, McAleer, who had Mr. Mr. Game in 66 game. They lost their left tackle. That's going to be, a, a, the, you know, an important injury. Who's going to step in and play left tackle for them because uh, he hurt his hip and he's out. So, uh, you know, he he got off to he's been a, he's been having a real good career too, and you know I trusted that kid on the contract. Yeah, I remember I, I walked him, I met him uh, at the draft, but uh, we'll we'll you know so we'll see what happens. I mean they got to find somebody to play tackle, and they got to have running back by committee because I know they picked up another another back last week too. So it'll be more than one running back that'll be carrying the load for eight to make up for Adrian Peterson, but. You know, you really got to have somebody step up and play left tackle. That's, that's going to be a tough one. How about Sam Bradford? I mean, a great performance against the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, he's he's learning that offense, you know, came in like a couple days before the start of the season. So he's still not 100%. You know, he's still 100% doesn't know the offense at this point. But he played well last week. Do you expect Sam Bradford to continue to play this way? Didn't even get the tackles. Well, another, and that's another thing that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. He's not getting the protection he used to get. He can run around in that pocket, but yeah, I don't care how I don't care how good a quarterback you are. If you don't get any protection, you're going to have a tough time out there. I mean, these guys are good. Them guys are coming after Rodgers, and, and another deadline has not been that good. The Green Bay's line has not played that good the last couple of years. They haven't been playing this well. And when they were winning, they were playing a lot better. So, you know, I mean, the protection is the key. I mean, if you're not going to protect these quarterbacks, they're not going to be able to throw the ball. If they can't establish the run, which I don't know Lacey's numbers, but I don't think Lacey's done a lot this year. you you got to run the ball. And Green Bay, even when Brad Favre was there, they used to run the football. you got to run the football. And, and you, you talked about Eddie Lacey at this point. I mean, last week, 12 carries, 50 yards. First week, 14 carries, 61 yards. So not big-time production from the ground game from Eddie Lacy. But to this, I mean, granted, you know, Aaron Rodgers sacked five times by the Vikings, got beat up a little bit. But that's a very good defense in Minnesota. Very good. And Minnesota's always had good defense. Always had, even back when we played, always had good linebackers. But they were good at the linebackers. And the front and the linebacker court from Minnesota have always been had some outstanding linebackers and would get would get after your own defense. So like I said, I mean, I understand people can talk talk about Rogers, but they gotta do a better job protecting him. Most definitely. No, no doubt. I look at Minnesota. I mean, that's a I, you you after watching Minnesota the first couple of weeks, you, you can understand why they made the move. For Sam Bradford, you can understand why they gave up what they gave up to get Sam Bradford. I mean, that team to me is a stack football team. And if Sam Bradford can play the way he played 
this week, I mean, the way he played last week, moving forward, stay healthy, that could be a Super Bowl contending team. Mm, I'm not going to say that now. You got to run the ball. Or you lost your left tackle. We, we're going a little – you got to be, you know – you don't have Bill Belichick coaching that team, I mean, so I don't know what they want to say. Super Bowl contending, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be good, but they got some they got some they got some boys to fill right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. But that defense, man, that's a good defense, and and we've seen over the years. Last year, you don't really need great quarterback play if you got the defense. Denver Broncos proved it. Peyton Manning stunk. Stunk in the playoffs, stunk in the Super Bowl, stunk in the regular season. But they still won the Super Bowl, and that's a byproduct of that defense, and they're still winning now because of that defense. So, I mean, you, it, it can be done. It can be done. But Sam Bradford is going to keep playing good football, not turn the ball over, and they're going to have to get somebody in there that can play on the line, and they're going to have to stick, keep continuing with their one game, screen, act, screen action, and mix it up on teams and uh, keep them minus. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of parity, and it's, it's, you know, it's a good somebody. You don't know who's going to win some of these weeks, and uh, it's good for the game to have parity in the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still early in the season, Paul. We've got a lot of football to play. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rove. Willie, before we get out of here, Kirk Cousins. I mean, now he's playing on the franchise deal, basically making twenty million this year. He's had some struggles. I mean, had had a bad red zone interception against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, interception. I thought if they were scored in that particular possession, they probably win that football game. But he's not playing the way he played last year. Is this the Kirk Cousins that we thought we knew? Well, you know, last year, RG3 was up. Kirk Cousins had something to prove. Now he's the man. He's making a lot of money, and, and, and he's getting solid protection. That one he threw, when they were up by three, like you said, even if you don't score a touchdown, you're down in the red zone. You kick a field goal, you're up by six. You put more pressure on him. But, uh, you know, he's, he's having two, you know, a couple of those passes. I know he can wish he could get back because the receiver did not look like he was open at all, and he was not under any pressure you know, the linesmen, it looks like they're doing a good job protecting him. So he just got to not turn the ball over and play better football. Like you said, the key is not to turn the ball over. And you turn the ball over good for a good football team like the Cowboys, even though, you know, one more up, that's still a real good football team. They're going to make you pay for it. And that press guard didn't turn it over, and he drove down the field and won that game. So kudos to that young kid for going down and winning that game. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a good – it's good for the league when you have these young guys that are playing good. Come back to the league because uh, you know he's gonna have good young players come in and just gonna make a name for himself and keep this uh keep that league keep that league going. And uh, want to want to just say uh you know uh, congratulations on uh, Kevin Garnett. I saw he retired today and he he had a great career in 21 okay. years and long time. 21 years. I mean, wow. And um, he called it quits. I mean, you look you look at the NBA. Tim Duncan calls it quits this year. Kobe calls it quits this year. And then Kevin Garnett calls it quits this year. I mean, three NBA legends all calling it quits legends. at the same time. And all going to be in the legends. Hall of Fame at the same time. Yeah, 
three top 50 players all the time. I would say two of them top 10, maybe top five. And you got KG, who you got to put maybe in the top 20. But two of those players are the top 10 all-time players that play in that league. For sure. I mean, no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. And they all retire at the same time. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I was talking about this earlier, but the one thing that stands out for me in terms of Kevin Garnett and maybe to a fault, but was loyalty. Stayed in Minnesota all those years. You know, they, they had some struggles, couldn't get out of the first round. They get out the first round that one year with Sprewell and Kinsell and those boys in that particular year. But I, I just remember loyalty with Kevin Garnett. He could have let, you know, Steph Marbury, he, he got out of Minnesota, but KG stayed and he stayed and he stayed. And I guess he was loyal to a fault on some level. But I, and on some level, the loyalty was rewarded because ultimately he got traded to Boston, got traded to a good destination, and ultimately won a championship. And then, 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 and then, you know, like a two, two, a two guy that really loved that city went back and finished his career, helped mentor those young guys, and they're going to have a real good basketball team this year. Those young kids are going. I'm telling you, watch out for Minnesota. That might be a sleeper team this year. They're going to be real good and real competitive. But uh, you going back to Minnesota the last four, five years, three years. I know the people really appreciate it, and they and they love them in Minnesota. So. You know, KG was a uh, was a class act on and off the court, and uh, you know, I mean, he, he probably up in Malibu in some California. He's just relaxing, and, and uh, he's worked hard, so he can uh, just take a break now and figure out what he's gonna do next. Sure, maybe I, him I and Co- maybe him and maybe him and team up and do some stuff together. I would assume that he's. My assumption is he probably is going to do something with that uh, Timberwolves team. Maybe something in the front office, but you know who knows. Well, Whether I think he lives in California, so I don't know if he wants to go to Minnesota. If he's gonna leave Malibu to move to California, move back to Minnesota. <laughs> he is a lower guy. <laughs> we are. Sounds good, man. Willie, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We'll see what happens this week in the NFL. Should be fun. All right. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofen. I was talking about Jay Cutler. Obviously, they're not going to release him during this season. They can release him at the end of the year. They'll take a $2 million cap hit, but ultimately they'll save $13 million. And if that if that's if they trade or release, release, excuse me, Jay Cutler, well, obviously they're going to do something. I mean, I, I don't think Jay Cutler is going to be in Chicago after this year. Unless he he comes back and he balls out and plays some big-time football, I don't see how you bring Jay Cutler back. I mean, I was one of the guys that was against the extension. I was like, what are you doing giving Jay Cutler that money? I mean, you don't feel like you could have found a better quarterback? Jay Cutler, in my opinion, stinks. Now, I will say this to his credit. Well, in his defense, maybe not to his credit, but in his defense, that offensive line is putrid in Chicago. That's a bad offensive line. Putrid. And so with that bad offensive line, and so with that bad offensive line and everything, I mean, come on. I'm not saying he has a – I'm not saying it's not a great offensive line. It's bad. But I'm also saying this. 
wine is bad, and cutler is bad as well. He's bad as well. So, I mean, we'll see what Chicago does. I think at some point they're going to have to make a move with Jay Cutler. And and I don't know, obviously, that move is probably going to be made by, by the end of the season. And maybe Chicago going to draft. Who knows? Maybe they can stink it up and, you know, get into Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And, and maybe that could be their quarterback moving forward, their quarterback of the future. We shall see. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Appreciate it, Corey Live. Talking sports, having fun doing it. Second hour, Go For It, starting right now. In this hour, we're going to be joined by Vikings defensive end Brian Robinson and also Bill's linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. They're going to be joining us in this hour. Also, we're going to have a around 8.30. We've got a little debate here. Uh, you know, got some Eagles fans in my ear um, talking Carson Wentz and talking Philadelphia Eagles 12-4 and four and, and so on and so forth. But we'll talk about that. But let me, you know, before we, we – we bring in Brian Robinson. I want, I want to talk about the Patriots. We didn't get a chance to talk about it. We were talking some KG. We had uh, Alec Ogletree. And, again, if you missed that interview, make sure you go back and blogtalkradio.com slash pgan where you can listen to that interview with Alec Ogletree. But the New England Patriots, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, he comes in. I mean, Jacoby Brissett, who? I mean, who's that? But Jacoby Brissett comes in, and the Patriots keep moving. 27 and nothing. They continue to dominate. Whether it's Brissett, whether it's Brady, whether it's Garofalo, whether it's me. This team finds a way to win football games. Gronk, Gronk now 100%. And they find a way to win ball games. The defense is playing some big-time football. LeGarrette Blunt is running the football. Hard. Kobe Brissett. 27 yard run. <laughs> I mean, he's a rookie. A rookie. And he's out there playing that kind of football. Dominant football. I mean, I would say dominant football, but he played good enough. He moved the team. They won the game. I heard it come. So, you know, somebody else might be starting next week for New England. 
Who could it be? I mean, will it be Michael Vick? I don't know. He's still out there. I mean, who's it going to be? I mean, Jacoby Brissett, 11 for 19, 103 yards. Obviously, those numbers aren't great, but they're good enough. And, and the biggest and the most important number is the, the most important ladder, really, is that W. And they got the W, Jacoby Brissett and the New England Patriots. And then it came back to this discussion about Tom Brady and, and pretty much, you know, this kind of diminishes what Tom Brady has done. By the way, no one has ever gotten to the Super Bowl six times. He's won four of them. I mean, almost went on darn near undefeated. You know, they don't win the Super Bowl without his drive against the Rams. Granted, that defense played well, but they don't win the Super Bowl without that drive against the Rams in the Super Bowl. They don't win the Super Bowl without that drive against the Panthers in the Super Bowl. They don't get to the Super Bowl without the whole situation against the Raiders where he put them in position to win. I mean, it goes on and on. So anybody and everybody who says all this craziness that just diminishes what Tom Brady has done is stupid. I mean, the guy's career is legendary. The guy as a quarterback is legendary. The guy as a quarterback is probably the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, let's be honest. You look at, you could say the system, but how about Montana to Steve Young? Steve Young won a Super Bowl in San Francisco, had success. He didn't have much success in the NFL before that. Steve Young didn't have a lot of success with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Granted, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they were a bad football team at the time, but he didn't have success. He didn't have success until he got to San Francisco, you know, got under that system, and that's where he had the success. I mean, 1985, Steve Young started five games, three touchdowns and interceptions with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 1986, Steve Young. Started 14 games, eight touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Goes off to San Francisco, becomes a Hall of Fame quarterback. Becomes a Hall of Famer. Is it the system? Joe Montana had a lot of success. Is it the system? Stop it. Matt Castle went to Kansas City, and he got them to the playoffs. Didn't have much success after that. But he got him to the playoffs. Stop it. And we don't know how good Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. And by the way, Matt Castle, they were 11-5, but they didn't go to the playoffs. Stop it. Stop trying to uh, diminish what Tom Terrific has done. Stop it. We're going to bring in Brian Robinson now. Let's bring him in now. Viking defensive end. Brian Robinson. Brian, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Brian, you beat the Packers 17-14. to A big reason was the five sacks against Aaron Rodgers. You harassed him throughout the whole game. Talk about the pressure you guys put on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was the, that was the plan we had going into the game was we wanted to be able to stop the run and then get them into uh, kind of a one-dimensional offense where they had to throw the ball. Uh, which creates a whole challenge of its own, which, um, you know, for us, it was about rushing Aaron Rodgers smart, not letting him run outside the pocket and things like that. Um, because he's such a smart quarterback and he's mobile and he can make plays with his legs as well as his arm. 
So we, we all four rushers had to be on the same page. We were. We got around his feet. We were able to make him nervous in the pocket, which uh, resulted in the five sacks like you talked about, which helped us win the game. Do you think you rattled him a little bit? I don't know if we wrapped him. Um, I, I think, obviously, he got a little frustrated and things like that. Um, I mean, obviously, when you get sacked five times, you're probably going to get a little frustrated. Uh, but I don't I don't know if Rodgers is a guy that really gets rattled. Um, you know, he's he's such a good quarterback, and he does a lot, of, a lot of great things for their team. So I don't know if we ever really rattled him, but I, I think he definitely sent some frustrations from him a little bit. Two huge fourth-quarter turnovers forced by your defense, including a strip sack on Aaron Rodgers. Take us through that play. Uh, you know, I, I've i been kind of power rushing them all day long. Um, it was kind of a, a little bit of a gamble that I took. I uh, made a move to the outside, was able to get past. Um, he kind of floated to the other side of the defense, and I was able to chase him down and uh, kind of saw the ball ball hanging out there and uh, decided to go for, you know, more than just a sag, try to get the ball out and get the ball back to our offense and was able to get that ball out. So, I mean, it seemed like it moved in slow motion when you were out there, but, you know, when you watch it back on tape and things like that, man, it, it goes a lot faster than you think it does. <laughs> I can imagine. We're talking to Vikings defensive end Brian Robinson. Obviously a great win, but a tough loss with Adrian Peterson going down possibly for the rest of the year. Obviously, it's next man up. But put into words what it means to lose AP. Well, I mean, obviously, anytime you lose anybody on your team, it's it's not a good situation to have, but especially with a guy like Adrian. Um, you know, he means so much to this team in so many ways, you know, not not only what he does on the field, but his leadership abilities and, and the things that he can do uh, in our locker room as well. So, I mean, it, it obviously is a big loss for us right now. Uh, but like you said, it, it's got to be next man up. Uh, we've got faith in the guys that are behind him. Jerick McKinnon and Matt Asiata are going to do a great job for us, as they always have, and uh, hopefully be able to fill that void a little bit. Now, another reason you beat the Packers was Sam Bradford. I mean, he came in at the start of the season, still learning the offense, but all that being said, he balled out against the Packers. Chris Collinsworth called it one of the better performances he's ever seen. Talk about what you saw out of Bradford. Well, I mean, I think the thing with Bradford was is he, he's learning this offense very quickly. and you, you see that from day one, you know, when he got here. Uh, he was a little nervous the first day. Um, you know, it, it, you could tell he was very tentative. And then day two, he came out and he, you know, was slinging the ball around. And you could tell he immediately was more comfortable. So he picks the system up very well. I think he's clicking with the guys very well. And, uh, you know, obviously, he, I think he's a fit for this team. I mean, he, come, he came in here, uh, met all the guys, and immediately you can see the strides he's taking every single day. And then you saw it on game day this past week. So, Hopefully we can keep that going moving forward and, uh, you know, defense can keep giving him the ball in situations to be successful and we, we keep this thing moving forward because we got enough tough, uh, another tough test this week. Now, has your, after this performance, has your confidence grown in Bradford? I mean, obviously we see him every day in practice. So we, we see that he's got one heck of an arm, um, but anytime you, you do things in practice, you, you need to put it on tape in a game, too. And he was able to do that Sunday night. So um, we, we definitely, you know, have faith in what he can do. And, and obviously he, he showed us, you know, why he was a number one pick in the NFL draft. And, 
um, you know, why he has been a starting quarterback in this league. So uh, it, it is one of those deals where he came in, he clicked with us, and, uh, you know, I think we, he showed us on Sunday that uh, we can believe in him. We're talking to Vikings DN, Brian Robinson. And obviously, Brian, you had high hopes coming into this season with Teddy Bridgewater, you losing for the season. At the time of the injury, in your mind, did you think the season was possibly lost? Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, anytime you lose a guy um, that does the things Teddy does in your locker room, the type of guy he is, uh, not only that, but being your starting quarterback, obviously, a lot of times you, you become worried. You become, um, you know, really just kind of think about, you know, what the season's going to be like. But for us this year, I don't think it was – I don't think we had that, that mindset at all. I think especially when you talk to the defensive guys, when he went down, obviously everybody was in shock. We were, we were you know, we, we never want to see a guy, especially like Teddy, go down. But defensively, I know when we talked amongst ourselves the day of, the day after, um, it was like, okay, well, we're just, you know, we're going to put this thing on our shoulders and we're going we're gonna to carry this team. And, and I think the offense even said that too. You know, we had some wide receivers that said, you know what, we've got to step up. And I think that's the thing that's great about this team is uh, no matter what happens, um, you know, we, we just, we're going to step up and we're going to do what we have to do to win ball games. And, um, you know, you saw that, saw that on Sunday. For sure. Now, you guys play in a brand-new stadium, a billion-dollar stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium. How do you like the new digs, man? Man, it's awesome, man. And, I mean, it, it all came together for your first game to open up the stadium, being on Sunday night football against the division rival Green Bay Packers. Uh, I mean, it, it couldn't have come, to, come together any better to open up a stadium. And the atmosphere was electric. Um, it was very, very loud in that building. So I'm hoping that we can keep making this a home field advantage for us and moving throughout the year, you know, make it one of those places that uh, nobody, nobody really wants to play at. Do you have a favorite part of the stadium? I mean, is, is there something about the stadium you like the most? You know, as a player, uh, I love the locker room, man. I mean, when you go from the Metrodome to this type of locker room, I mean, it, it's pretty crazy, um, you know, the, the way that things have been laid out in there, the way it looks. Um, it, it, it's first class. Um, but but definitely, I mean, just I just like how our stadium, you know, even though it's a billion-dollar stadium and things like that, it just seems like it's, it's fan-friendly, um, and, it, and it's one of those places that people are literally going to enjoy. But to be able to have that glass roof and those glass doors and you don't feel like you're inside, you, you still feel like you're kind of outside, you can still see the sunshine so it doesn't seem like a night game every time you walk in there. Um, you know, it, it just it, it seems like you're still kind of outdoor in a way. Okay, okay. So, so let me ask you this. Crowd noise at the Metrodome was ridiculous. Compare the noise at U.S. Bank Stadium to the Metrodome. Man, I think it was every bit as loud uh, there the other night as it w was in, in any of the games that I played in the Metrodome. It was okay. it was pretty crazy how loud it got. I mean, there were some times that you had to get, you know, right in Anthony Barr's face just to hear the call. Um, and, and communication was big-time key for us, so... Um, you know, it, we, we really had to be on our P's and Q's as far as communication, hand signals, things like that. Um, so I can only imagine what it was like for, for Green Bay's offense in that building. We're talking to Vikings DM Brian Robinson. 
And now, Brian, obviously you beat the Packers, a very good football team. Now you go on the road and play a very good Panthers team, another scrambling quarterback. How do you guys shut down Cam Newton? Well, it all starts with their run game. I mean, we really have to get after their run game. We've got, you know, I think I think the, the crazy stat is they've had 29 straight games with 100 yards rushing. So we've got to stop their run game. We've got to get them in situations where they have to throw the ball. And if we're able to do that, then we kind of have to do things similar to what we did with Rodgers. we got to, we got to make sure that we contain Cam, make sure that we keep him in the pocket, but not just be complacent with keeping him in the pocket. We've got to get around his feet, get him a little antsy in the pocket, and then be able to hit him, you know, uh, you know hit him, get him to the ground, cause some fumbles, uh, and make him nervous. If we can do that, that gives us our best chance to be successful against them on Sunday. How do you compare Cam Newton to an Aaron Rodgers? Well, they're di- they're 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 similar in some ways, but they're different in some ways. Um, you know, Cam, I think Cam is is one of those guys that, you know, when he has the opportunity to run, he can make big plays because he is a bigger guy um, and he gets up the field fast. Uh, when he's in the pocket and you just allow him to to throw in the pocket then he can pick you apart downfield. But normally when he tucks the ball and gets ready to run, I mean, he's he's either running or he's in the pocket throwing the ball. Whereas Rodgers is a guy that no matter where he's at on the field, whether he's running or not, he, he's still looking to throw the ball. And he's actually more dangerous when he's out of the pocket running around throwing the ball deep downfield than he is when he's sitting in the pocket. So I, I would say that's the main difference between them. Now let me ask you this. Are these the type of games you guys need to win on the road against a big-time football team like the Panthers to show the league that the Vikings are for real? Well, you know what, and I'm just going to be honest with you, man. At the end of the day, we really don't care what people think about us. Uh, And that's what I love about this team is it's all about us. We don't care what other people think about us. At the end of the day, we're just trying to go in there and get a win. And, you know, if you – you guys want to keep doubting us and the media wants to keep saying that, you know, we're not quite there yet, then you know what? That's fine. You know, we're just going to keep trying to win ball games. But this is a very important game for us this week. This is the NFC championship from last year. Um, you know, they, they've, they've earned the right to, to have that respect. And we've got to go into a hostile environment at Carolina and try to go out there and win a ball game. And if we can do that, um, you know, then we have to keep doing it moving forward. So, um, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. We're just trying to win one game on Sunday and, and move forward. Now, Brian, you sack quarterbacks, and also you sack fish. Talk about the Brian Robinson Real Amen Foundation. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something that we, we kind of started up last year. It's a foundation that we have paired with Canines for Tops. Um, and what I do is I put on a fishing tournament where we can – Go and have a good time. Everybody can get to know me a little bit better. We, you know, put on an open fishing tournament, uh, have some auctions where people can get on the boat with a guy like Adrian Peterson or a guy like Terrence Newman uh, the following day to fish that tournament. And this year we've already, you know, we're way ahead of where we were last year. We've got a tournament that we're going to have on April 1st and 2nd down in Lake Sam Rayburn down in Texas. We've got a bunch of Bassmaster Elite pros who are going to be there that are going to be paired up uh, with some NFL players um, and, and some other athletes, and people will get those same 
the, that same option to be able to bid and get on a boat with those guys and fish with a separate tournament on Sunday with those guys. And we're also going to do one up here in Minnesota sometime probably in May or June. Uh, we haven't set the dates yet, but it's something that I'm really passionate about, really excited about. My wife and I have put a lot of hard work into it, and uh, we're hoping to raise a lot of money for Canines for Cops this year. So, fans, go to the website, brianrobinson96.com. Hit him up on Twitter at Brian underscore Robinson and support all the great things going on with Brian Robinson. Brian, I'm just looking at this defense, big-time performance against the Packers, big-time performance against the Titans. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, do you feel like this could be one of the best defenses in football? There's, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, if we keep doing what we're doing, uh, we keep working hard every single day like we are, I think the sky is the limit for us. You know, we put big-time emphasis this offseason on playing the run better, being better in two-minute defense, and creating turnovers. And so far in the first two games, those those three things have really shown up in a big way for us. So what we've got to do is moving forward, especially when we play these big-time teams like Carolina and Green Bay and uh, really anybody we play, but especially those type of games, we have to be able to create turnovers. And, uh, you know, we've done that in the first two ball games. And if we keep doing that moving forward, that gives us a great chance for, you know, get the ball back to our offense to allow them to hopefully score some points and to be able to allow us to win ball games at the end of the day. For sure. Brian, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Brian Robinson, defensive end for the Minnesota Vikings. Great to get his thoughts, his opinions on the Minnesota Vikings at this point. I mean, after watching them last week against the Green Bay Packers, watching that defense, and watching Sam Bradford. I mean, here's the thing. Sam Bradford had his moments in Philadelphia, had his moments in, uh, with the Rams. But obviously injuries derailed him over the years. And, and to me, this is the perfect opportunity, the perfect chance, the, the, the perfect – we can finally, I think, break down, analyze, and figure out who Sam Bradford is exactly because this is his opportunity now because now he, he has no excuses. And maybe he can play the Adrian Peterson card. Maybe he can play the Matt Khalil card. But he has a team around him in Minnesota. Defensively, they're big time. You know, Stephon Diggs looks like he could be big time. And Sam Bradford is a fairly accurate quarterback. He's not a bad quarterback. He's an average quarterback. Average to slightly above average. But I think we can figure out exactly who he is after this stint with the Minnesota Vikings. This will tell us who Sam Bradford really is. Good, bad, or what have you. This is it. And so, I'm interested to see what it's going to look like moving forward. So far, so good. What a performance by Sam Bradford. Big time performance. Again, a lot of football to be played, obviously. So, you know, while it looks good now, there's still a lot of football to be played. 
So we have to figure out what that looks like. We have to figure out whether or not, you know, Sam Bradford does in fact have the goods. But also look at, you know, who Sam Bradford ultimately, you know, Sam Bradford was traded to the Minnesota Vikings by the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles inserted a rookie in Carson Wentz. Week one, impressive. Week two, even more impressive. Monday night football against the Chicago Bears. Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, I mean, you know, again, week two, numbers aren't eye-popping. Has some drops, including a Jordan Matthew touchdown that should have been a touchdown. But and Jordan Matthews, no excuse for not catching that football. You got to catch that football in that particular situation. But anyway, week one, 278, two touchdowns. Week two, 24 for 34, 190 yards. Should have been over 200 yards. Should have been two touchdowns. Jordan Matthews dropped a short touchdown. But the guy is not making mistakes. He's not turning the football over. And he, he to this point, has virtually been a perfect quarterback. And again, I said this last week, and I'll say it again this week. The numbers, you know, the 468 yards, 60% completion percentage, the three touchdowns, got to get that completion percentage maybe up a little bit more. But again, the three touchdowns, I mean, all those things are what impress me. What impresses me about Carson Wentz is you see that final category, which is the interception category. Zero in week one, zero in week two. So he's not turning the football over. He's keeping his team in football games, and he's giving his team an opportunity to win. And now I do feel like the Philadelphia Eagles, if Carson Wentz can continue to be mistake-free, you know, limiting the interceptions, limiting the fumbles, this team, the Philadelphia Eagles, could possibly win the NFC East. Possibly. A lot has to go right. Giants don't think they're pretty good. Um, the Cowboys, they're going to be, I think they're going to be decent. Redskins are struggling right now, but maybe they turn around, but it's still early. A lot of football to be played. 14 games to be exact. So a lot can happen in those 14 games. A whole lot. But so far, so good for Carson Wentz. So far, so good for Dak Prescott. So far, so good. I mean, we'll see what happens moving forward. This week is going to be the test. For the Philadelphia Eagles, from this standpoint, defensively, I think they're going to get tested by the Steelers, Antonio Brown, Big Ben, and those boys. And they're going to get tested in terms of that Steelers defense. So I'm interested to see how Carson Wentz responds, and I'm interested to see how the Philadelphia Eagles defense responds. So I'm I'm interested. So this week for me is going to be an interesting week. It's going to tell me a lot about Carson Wentz and his development at this point. It's going to tell me a lot about, about this defense. But I will say this. When I watch Carson Wentz, I don't, it doesn't, I don't, 
I don't see a rookie. Like it, it, it's like you're not watching a rookie. It's like you're watching a veteran. It's like you're watching a guy who's done this before. Again, the numbers are the numbers. But just doing the eye test. The eye test tells you or shows you or makes you believe that you're watching a veteran play football, play the quarterback position, which is arguably the hardest position to play in sports. So when I look at Carson Wentz, and if I didn't look at his his his, rook, his card or, or anything, if I'm an alien coming from Mars and I'm watching Carson Wentz for the first time, I wouldn't think Carson Wentz was a, 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 a rookie. I wouldn't. Not at all. So he's balled out. And I think you can say the same thing with Dak Prescott. I don't see a rookie. I see a guy who may have done this before. And Willie Rowe brought this up, but these guys are, are four-year college guys. So they spent four years in college. You know, they're starters in college. So, I mean, maybe that's it. Who knows? But we, we got a guy on the line now. Um, th- this gentleman is trying to tell me that uh, the Philadelphia Eagles can go 12-4. and four. I mean, this is going to be an easy one because <laughs> there's no way this team is going 12 and 4. Yes, they have surprised some teams. Yes, they have surprised the league at this point. But you still have a rookie quarterback. But there's no way this team is going 12 and 4. Let's bring him in. Working man. What's up? What's going on? How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well. Let, let, let's do this. You said 12-4 and four for the Philadelphia Eagles. The time is yours. Tell us how. All right, Paul. I mean, I could take it back probably a couple months. Do you remember me sending you a text message when uh, the NFL draft was coming on? And I said, I hope we get Wentz. Do you remember that? Um- I don't necessarily remember that, but if you said it happened, it well, happened. Well, let's just say let's just say let's just say it happened. Let's okay. say it happened. So, when before the eye test that everyone is looking at right now, I heard you talking about earlier. I saw that same test on just small samples of footage, and I was like, "We need Wentz. If we're going to take somebody, we're not taking anybody from Cal." Okay, this is Philadelphia. We want somebody that's going to go to work. If there's a lunch in your in your lunch box, if there's not one, you're going to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So, listen, Carson Wentz was my guy then, and he's the guy now. Now, let's talk about the 12 and 4. What talk more about. do Philly fans want? What more do Philly fans want at this point right now? Okay? You had everybody's uh, redheaded stepchild. No offense, Carson. You know, Doug Peterson was your coach. You had Sam Bradford. You thought that the, the, this team could win, what, six games with Bradford? Seven at the most, eight? Something like that. This team is 2-0, and and they haven't just competed with teams. I mean, they destroyed them pretty much. Bears, we Bears to that? Browns. I mean, are those teams. NFL players on those teams? Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure, right? And they don't have first-year coaches and uh, first-year starters, do they? Uh, RG3 first year in Cleveland. Jay Cutler. Was that his first start as an NFL quarterback? Say it again. 
was that his first start as an NFL quarterback? No, it was not. No. Okay, so Carson Wentz first starts in two games, no picks, three touchdowns, 380-something yards. What more do you want? If people, you know what cracks me up is that people are still like pump the brakes on this. I mean, have the, have the Eagles ever won a Super Bowl? Never. Forgive me if I'm wrong. Have they won a Super Bowl? No, they have not. They have not. All right, so let's think about it. We're 2-0. We've got a rookie head coach, a rookie starter at quarterback. The defense is popping. I mean, come on. What more do you want? We score 30 points a game, and we give up less than 17. 12-4. Okay, 12-4, right? That, that's, you're you're 12 saying 12-4. I'm saying be excited about this team and understand that the division is ours to have. Why the division is imploded. Washington's imploded. Go ahead. Go ahead. Washington's imploded. You got Dak Prescott and, and, and the Cowboys. They're always going to be dysfunctional. That's just how the, the Cowboys are. Even if Romo comes back, which he's probably not, um, he'll probably just get hurt again. Who you got? The Giants? All right, listen, the Giants are playing well, but you know how Eli Eli is always going to be Eli. Throw the ball up. Our secondary is playing extremely well right now. I don't see the Giants even competing with us. All right, so, so let's do this. If we're 11-5, 12-4, somewhere in that range. All right, let's do this. You said 12-4. So what is this, a 12-4 or 11-5? I'm going to say in that range. Either <laughs> one. I mean, can, we, can, we, can I settle on a number? 12 and 4 or 11 I'm and 5? I'm going to stay with the 12 and 4. Well, let's go okay, 12, 12 and 4. four. Okay, let's do, let's do this now. You want to break let's it down do game by game? Let, let's, that, that's exactly what we're going to do. That's my next move. Let's break it down. Okay, let's start with the Steelers. In Philadelphia, 2 and 0 Steelers playing some big-time football at this point in the year. Big Ben, Antonio Brown, you know, James Harrison at defense. That's a loss. Listen, listen. These dudes ball out, no doubt. But here's the thing about Pittsburgh. No Le'Veon Bell, right? D'Angelo Williams is balling. Listen to me. Big Ben is always prone to try to extend plays. You can't extend plays against this this defense. That front four is going to swallow him. And if you throw that ball up for grabs, guess what? Pick six of a way. So so just so I'm clear. You're you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me. Double Antonio (laughs) Brown. Double Antonio Brown, handle your business on the other side. So just so I'm clear, 3-0? 3-0 going into the box. <laughs> I got money on the game. So, listen, I believe it. 3-0, okay. Okay, we'll go with it. That's not going to happen. You're not beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're playing some big-time listen, football. Just listen, listen, hold on, wait a second. Listen to this. Sunday night around eight o'clock. <laughs> I have them two on one at this point. I mean, then you got at the Lions and at the Redskins. That's a win. The next two weeks. Two wins. Both weeks. Five and oh. Five and oh. In Washington, in Detroit. Five Just so clear. <laughs> Okay. 5-0, Paul. Okay. You got Minnesota. You got Minnesota coming to the lake. Big-time defense in Minnesota. 
Sam Bradford may have found no Adrian Peterson. his home. No Adrian Peterson. Sam Bradford coming home, not really home. Um, we beat Minnesota soundly. <laughs> six and up. This is a six and up football and team. Let's go. He's going to have to play out of his mind to beat the Steelers. He's going to have to play out of his mind to beat the Vikings, and that's a big-time defense. But, okay, 6-0. Okay, at Dallas, October 30th, Sunday night game. 7-0, Paul. Uh, <laughs> Who's up next? Who's up next? All right, let's go. <laughs> let's go November 6th at the Giants. Listen, eight is my lucky number. Eight and oh. <laughs> eight and oh, Paul. Oh, man. They lose that football game. They lose to the Steelers. And they lose to either the Lions or the Redskins. You can pick that. Listen, and they I lose to the Vikings. Your heart, your heart, as a Philadelphia fan, your heart has been broken too many times for you even to fathom that your birds can be this good. But listen, all I have to tell you is that there's no tomorrow. Listen, they never won a Super Bowl. You got to happen at some point. Lightning has to strike in a bottle. This is that team. So, I'm telling okay. You. So, eight and up. Midpoint of the eight year. This is an eight and zero football team. That's crazy, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Okay, November thirteenth, the Falcons come to the lake. This is a winnable football game in my mind. Uh, I'm gonna say they have to. They have to after that eight and zero run. They're gonna probably have to fall off at some point. I think they lose to the Falcons. Okay, so eight and one at this point. All right, so. This next three-game stretch, you're not going 3-0. You're not going 2-0 in this three-game stretch that's coming up. You got at Seattle, Green Bay comes to the link, Sunday night football, and then you go to Cincinnati. Three very good football teams here. Listen, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that this year. Seattle is not playing. They haven't probably scored an offensive touchdown in two games. They're Um, struggling at this point. True. Struggling, listen, you are who you are. I can only base upon what I see. But All it's the teams you named, Green Bay is struggling. That man, that bad man that people like to call him, I mean, I just don't see it anymore. Sometimes you hit a done. wall. I haven't, I haven't seen that this year. I haven't seen it. Listen, the only thing I can look at is what I can see. And what I see is that Carson Wentz, he doesn't care who the opponent is. He plays the game the way he knows how to play it. And he plays it better than I've seen a rookie quarterback ever play the game, to be honest. Right, so Andrew Luck gets all that money. Andrew Luck gets all that money for what? He loses every right. single year. Three-game stretch. What you got? I think we beat Seattle. I think we lose to Green Bay. And I think okay, so you're going, Cincinnati. you're going all the way up to Seattle, uh, a team that plays very well at home. And you're beating Seattle and Seattle. Listen, so I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> They're going to you win gotta care. Seattle. <laughs> I don't care. No, I'm talking about the pedigree and where you are. I think that that fuels this team. I think you win at Seattle. Wow. Okay. And Carson Wentz is going to go to Seattle and beat 
the Seattle Seahawks. You didn't think okay. Carson Wentz was going to win four games this year, but now that they're two and zero, now you're trying to tell me that you think that they can win a division? That's changed your mind a total one eighty. I think they can win the division, but I'm not going to say oh, twelve you, and four. Did you think that they could win the division with Sam Bradford? Um, I thought there was an outside shot if the defense played well. Outside shot. Okay. All right. So what are we at now? Uh, so we're at. I don't know what record we have at this point. What are they? They beat. They you said they beat Seattle. They beat Green Bay as well. No, they lose to Green Bay. Okay, do so they beat the Bengals? Super Bowl caliber team. Okay, so at this point, I think we're at. They got four games left. I think we're at eight and eight and or no, I think I we're at nine. Two losses and, so far. Nine and three. Nine, you got two losses. Three, three so three so far. Okay, so nine and three. They lose to Atlanta. They lose to Atlanta, Green Bay, and no, or they're two. Yeah, so nine and two. Okay, nine. Well, it's got to be nine. Okay, so it's ten and two because we got four games left. Yep, ten and two. Okay, four, all right, four games left. <laughs> uh, ten and two. Uh, okay, the Eagles go to the Redskins. I mean, excuse me, the Redskins come to Philadelphia. They win that game, Eagles? 11. Yep, they do. <laughs> so here's what you're telling me. Just so I'm clear. You sweep the Redskins. You, okay, let's hold on. Let's move forward. At the Ravens. You lose. Okay, so 10 and 3. Cowboys, Giants. Giants, uh, 12-22. You, you split with the boys. Listen, you split with the boys and the Giants. Okay, so if you split with the boys and Giants, that means you lose these last two. And that puts you at 11-5. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so let, let's – now let's be a little and I think there's I think there's I think there's I think there's wiggle room in there for them to either beat Atlanta and get the twelve and four, but realistically, eleven and five, twelve and four is a bonus. All right, so let's look at this realistically. They're losing to the Steelers. That's one loss. They're losing to either the Redskins or the Lions. That's two losses. They're losing to the Vikings. That's three. They're losing to the Cowboys. That's four. They're losing to the Giants. That's five. Beat the Falcons, lose to Seattle, that's six. Lose to Green Bay, that's seven. Lose to the Bengals, that's eight. Beat the Redskins, lose to the Ravens, and they split with the Giants and Cowboys to end the year. So I believe that's six and ten. This is a six and ten football team. True Philly sports fan. It's fine. It's overthinking everything. Listen, be happy that the be happy that the Eagles are on an upswing and that they are playing great football. Six and ten is a slap in the face. Listen, I didn't believe in this team until I saw them play. They won every preseason game. Doug Peterson had these boys hitting all summer, and it shows. They're playing great defense. They're the best defense in the league right now, besides Denver, probably. So listen, six and ten. Did you watch the Minnesota Vikings? Six and ten, please. That's that's an insult. This team is at least 
10 and 6. 11 and 5, 12 and 4 is a bonus. We'll find out soon enough. Listen, so we, we just got to let weeks go by. We, we just got to let weeks go by, and then it'll play itself out. All right, so you, you'll come back in a couple – You'll come back in like a couple weeks, and then I'll we'll. I'll come back we'll, when they're six and zero. I'll come back when they're six and zero. Okay, then we'll laugh. We'll, we'll laugh. We'll have a good time. It'll be fun. All right, we'll sounds a, good. Totally different conversation. We'll have a totally right, different conversation good. then. But you're crazy. Enjoy your night. <laughs> you too. <laughs> We're going to bring in a guy now. Um, Buffalo Bills off two and zero to start, looking to turn around. And Lorenzo Allen joint Alexander believes that this team can turn around. We're going to bring in Lorenzo Alexander now. Let's bring him in now. Linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, how are you? I'm doing great. Yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Lorenzo, you guys are 0-2. History tells us that 0-2 usually means no playoffs. 0-3 makes the road even harder. End of the day. Is this a must-win game against the Cardinals? No, I wouldn't say it's a must-win, but we definitely need to have it. Uh, we definitely want to change the uh, trajectory of our season right now and uh, get a W. Um, you know, one, obviously, get the win to, to get ourselves back on pace, and then two, just to get you know get that swagger back, get some of that fun back, because the game of playing football is only fun when you win in the game. So let me ask you this. I look at your team. Week one, defense plays well. Week two, defense struggles. So you guys haven't put a full game together. How close do you think you guys are to putting a full game together, a complete game? Um, I think we're very close. I mean, if you really go back and look at the All-22 and, uh, and uh, review our games, we're in position. I mean, we've had a couple of missed opportunities, whether it's picking up balls on the ground that we've created uh, fumbles with, um, interceptions, and then some of those jump balls, you know, I feel that confidence in our guys. I mean, they're probably the the best two corners tandem in the league in my mind, um, and those guys are going to make plays. So, I mean, if you take some of those balls away, um, but you can't play the game, obviously, with ifs, and we are easily 2-0 and in my mind. So we just have to continue to believe in ourselves, trust the scheme, trust our coaches and our technique, and uh, we'll be just fine, you know, matching up against whoever we play, especially the Arizona Cardinals this week. So there's no panic in Buffalo at this point? No, I mean, you can never panic. I mean, um, you have to stay true to who you are. There's a system here in place that's been successful throughout the years. Um, guys are going to get beat. Um, it's all about how you respond, and you have to do that with a certain calmness. The minute you start panicking and, and you know, start trying to figure the next best new thing, you lose the sense of who you are. We established that during training camp and, uh, um, and working this whole off season, um, and we believe in each other, and we're going to go out there and prove it. We're talking to Bills linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, going back to the Jets game now, they had a lot of success moving the ball up and down the field against you guys. In your mind, what went wrong defensively for the Bills against the Jets? Um, to me, nobody can chop wood with us, uh, you know, as far as just drive the ball methodically down the field. We gave up too many big plays. That's what, that's what it comes down to. And in, and in this league, if you're going to give up chunk plays, um, you, you're not going to be successful defensively because most offenses are going to make a mistake at some time and give you an opportunity to get a turnover or get them off on third down, and that's something that we really have to um, work on, not giving up the big play. And then number two, some of the penalties early on really cost us on third down. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes ends up with a sack, and we get a, a, a holding in the back end. Uh, so, you know, things like that happens, and 
we got to overcome them, and uh, we're, we're learning how to do that now, and hopefully we'll be able to turn it around this week against Arizona. Rex Ryan says it's us against the world. That's the mentality that, that you guys need to have. Is that the mentality you guys are going to take moving forward? I think that's the mentality we have each, uh, you know, week in and week out. All we got is the men that are in that room, the coaches, the players uh, that are out on that field uh, trying to get things accomplished and, and, and earning a win. So that's, you know, that, that's my mentality week in and week out. I'm not trusting on anybody else that's not in that room that hasn't bled with me in this offseason, hasn't put the work in, that hasn't studied with me. Um, and I trust each and everybody on that field, and that's the kind of the way I play. You know, I trust my guys. Uh, I, hopefully they trust me. And all we have to do, you know, anytime you lose, there's a sense of panic, um, you know, just from the out, the outside. Um, but inside right now, we don't feel any of that. We just want to stay true to who we are and uh, come out, battle, compete. And uh, eventually we're going to get a W here. And hopefully it starts this week. We're talking to Bill's linebacker, Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, Lorenzo, offensively, you guys made a move as a team, changing the offensive coordinator, firing Greg Roman. You know, Anthony Lynn is now the offense coordinator. Is that the type of move that puts the team on notice? Um, I mean, I guess you can say it. I mean, but this this league, you know, the NFL is what have you done for me lately? And, you know, we could easily be 2-0 and and Greg could easily be here with us right now. But obviously that's not the circumstance. You see it each and every year when a team gets off to a kind of a shaky start, there needs to be changed, something to shake it up, you know. I'm confident in, in, in what they're doing in the front office. You know, obviously that's above my pay grade. So whoever they decide, obviously that's uh, Coach Lynn right now. We're going to roll with him. Um, he's got the boys ready to roll. And obviously we got to start stepping up as players and making plays and making things look good because at the end of the day, it's a, it's a player's league. Uh, you know, the coach can take the, the blame, but we're the ones out on the field competing, and uh, we have to execute and, and make things happen. Now, Lorenzo, you were brought to Buffalo primarily as a special team guy. But because of injuries, you're playing linebacker right now. You're getting a lot of play. You're rushing the quarterback a lot. You got one and a half sacks at this point. Talk about your play at this point in the season. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been solid. Uh, you know, playing smart, fast, and physical is kind of what I pride myself on. Um, luckily, I got some dogs, you know, on that front line in Kyle Williams, you know, Corbin Bryant, uh, Jerry Hughes, uh, Doosable. So we have a lot of uh, guys up front where I'm not. Man, I just have to go out there, play within the scheme, and make the plays that I'm supposed to make. And this far, you know, in the season, I've been able to do that consistently, you know, throughout a 60-minute game. So each week for me, just want to continue to stack solid performances, continue to get better, continue to understand what the opponent is going to try to do to me. You know, understand I'm a 12-year vet, so I know who I'm not, and I know who I am, and just continue to play to my strengths, and uh, just continue to fly around. You know, one thing I found: if you play hard, fly around, and just you know, seek the ball constantly. You're going you're gonna to come up with some plays, some big plays, and help your team win some games. Now, Lorenzo, you play, you, you guys are going to play the Cardinals this week. You played in Arizona for a couple seasons. You know some guys over there. You know possibly some tendencies of the Arizona Cardinals. Have you been sharing those things with the Bills coaching staff? Yeah, you know, I, I gave my two cents, you know, you know, as far as tendencies and personnel, but, you know, what Coach Bruce Aarons and what Coach uh, Bessard do on offense and defense and what Amos does on special teams, you see it on the film. I mean, they are who they are. There's no big secret about how they go about uh, attacking um, the opposing team within their game plans. You know, offensively, B.A. loves to be physical up front. Um, obviously, you can see it in the line. The tight end plays who are big, 
almost to be tackle type guys and and Fells and uh, Nicholas and and they just want to pound the ball and then off of that play action take their shots with their great athletes on the outside. Obviously, you got a Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald. You got Michael Floyd. Uh, you got Jerron Brown, John Brown. You know the Brown brothers um, and Nelson. And, and, and I haven't even mentioned their running backs yet. And you know so and Johnson and uh, Ellington and and Chris Johnson. I mean, so they have a lot of athletes. But I know one thing for us, if we want to beat them, we have to physically dominate them up front and impose our will and make them a one-dimensional team week in and week in. And that's what you want to do week in and week out, but especially with this team because they pride themselves on being physically, uh, especially in that line of scrimmage. I know the offensive coordinator really well and knows what he's preaching to his boys. So it's going to be really on that front seven uh, to step up this week and win this game for us. Now, you talked about David Johnson. That guy breaks a lot of tackles. I mean – we saw him in the Patriot game and broke a whole bunch of tackles. Right. How do you tackle this guy? I mean, do you work a little extra in terms of tackling this week? No, I mean, it's all about mentality. I mean, it's, it's a lot of guys in this league that are big, strong, athletic types like himself. You know, I think about a Marshawn Lynch. Um, you can think about, you know, Adrian Peterson, those type of big backs that just, you know, can grind you. And it's all about being relentless to the ball. He's going to make some plays because he's a great athlete. But, you know, if I miss a tackle and I got my boys hunting right behind me, he's not going to break nine, ten tackles all at once. So it's all about great pursuit this week, um, rallying to the ball and just trying to hit him with much, as many helmets as, as possible um, and, you know, get him on the ground and just try to, you know, pound him. And, that, and, that's, what, and that's how you got to attack guys like that who like to run physical. So let me ask you this now. We, we have the whole situation with Colin Kaepernick. He's been taking a knee right. throughout the course of this season, throughout the course of the preseason. It's taking a lot of flack from a lot of people. Your thoughts on yeah. that whole situation? You know, I respect Colin. Um, he is using his platform, uh, you know, of his NFL and uh, the visibility that we have on this game to bring, uh, I guess, insight or awareness to, you know, one of the, the bad things that are happening in our society. Um, as far as, you know, inequality and some of our social injustices that uh, being an African-American man that you, you have to face growing up in this country. Um, so, you know, I definitely respect him, respect him for it. Obviously, I haven't taken a knee or raised an offense. You know, I feel differently about the national anthem and what that means to me. I think living in D.C. for the period of time that I did and going to Walter Reed and building a relationship with the military and, and uh, you know, first responders, I have a different perspective, and, and it's hard for me to take a knee or raise my fist during that period of time just out of respect to them. But, you know, I, I think every guy is going to attack this issue that we're facing um, nationally in their own way, whether that's getting into the community, working with the kids, working with our, you know, our local, our local government officials uh, in D.C. and wherever you may live, whoever your representative is. And, and that's kind of the, the way I've been going about it, uh, trying to take a proactive um approach that way and just talk and, and try to figure out how we can get these things changed and reform um, and just vetting people better, um, you know, but it's going to take time. It's nothing that's going to be, that's going to be able to change overnight. But again, I have all the respect to, you know, Colin Kaepernick and the rest of the, the young men in our league that are standing up and um, protesting in a very peaceful, peaceful way. So, I mean, you said you probably wouldn't go about it this way in terms of taking a knee or putting a fist up during the national anthem. So let me ask you this. Do you, do you find this slightly disrespectful? No. I mean, I, I don't the way he does it. I mean, we all have – it's all about perspective. So in my views, I think about 
people serving our country. In in his view, when he's sitting down, he's sitting down because of the social injustice that, as a black man or you know a person of color, that we face in this country. And he's using that platform to raise his fist and bring uh, awareness to it. So, you know, you're gonna have all different types of opinions. It's not the way I would go about it, but I respect the way he's doing it. And uh, you know, more power to him for standing up because I'm, I'm pretty know he's he was gonna get scrutiny for doing it. He's put his money where his mouth is, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be putting his time in, you know, after the season as far as working towards the cause. For sure. We're talking to Bill's linebacker, Lorenzo Alexander. And, Lorenzo, you're doing big things in the community with your ACES Foundation. And with all the things that's going on in our community, in the African-American community, in our community in general, right. we need mentors. So, so talk about the ACES Foundation. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's pretty much, I mean – you know, obviously this has gotten a lot of media play, you know, within the last year or so with the, the, the cop uh, killings and, and, and a lot of the, the, the tension that our country, racial tension that our, our country is having. But this has been uh, a reality of, of, you know, of mine and a lot of people that come from neighborhoods of mine for a long time. Um, so since I made it to the, to the league and have built relationships with companies and businesses and obviously the platform of the NFL, I've just tried through my ACES Foundation providing resources, tools, and uh, people, uh, as you mentioned, mentors, just trying to educate kids um, to what is out there, to educate themselves, uh, you know, obviously getting a great education, uh, and really trying to really push them into the the, um, civic engagement, uh, getting involved with your your local government. You know, do you want to be a senator? Do you want to be, you know, uh, a mayor? Uh, so that you can start pushing these these kids that come from these inner cities that get into these positions of power and um, are able to make actual real change. Now they're starting creating policies that reflect their their reality. And we start having some change, some more understanding, because now they're talking to people. People are understanding where they're coming from. They're understanding where other people are coming from. And then you start moving in, in a way together. So that's kind of been my whole my whole passion, uh, working through my, my ACES Foundation. Uh, we've really been working with some local schools in Oakland and just really trying to push that out and putting positive people in front of them so we can get them thinking a certain way, a positive way, and a, a proactive way instead of, you know, going out there and tearing up a city or rioting. I mean, what does that prove besides, you know, maybe just, just you know, reinforcing an image somebody may have of you because of the way you look. So we're trying to get it done in a positive way um, through the ACES Foundation. So fans... Make sure you, you go to LorenzoAlexander.org so you can find some more information about the ACES Foundation and all the great things that he's doing in the, with the ACES Foundation. Before we get out of here, end of the day, I, at the beginning of the year, I had the Buffalo Bills winning the AFC East. It, it, it looks like a tall order at this point, but it's still a lot of football to be played. Do you right. foresee the Bills end of the day turning this thing around? Yeah. I mean, I believe in my guys. So, I mean, you know, everybody else probably thinks I'm crazy, but I see the work that we put in, um, the leadership that we have on this team. Um, obviously, the coaching staff putting a great game plan, how much effort and, and time they put into it. So it has to turn at some point. Um, and you just got to keep pounding that rock. Um, I think Cal Williams told a great story. I mean, you just got to keep pounding this rock, keep pounding the rock, because you never know when it's going to crack open. Um, but you have to approach it each and every day like a professional, do the same things that you know that's gotten you here before, to, that's been successful. 
Um, and you can't change the recipe just because you haven't gotten quite the results that you want quite yet. So we're going to keep grinding, keep pounding, and uh, we're going to get some of these Ws and try to start stacking them here soon uh, so we can uh, be where we want to be, and that's in the playoffs, obviously, and having a chance to win Super Bowl. So, so at this point in time, you get the sense the whole locker room believes in Rex Ryan, believes in the message, believes in everything. Of course, yeah. There's, there's nobody faltering. There's nobody uh, trying to go in a different way. There's no no backroom whispering. Uh, we're all in this thing together, and, and we're rolling together as the Buffalo Bills. And um, so, if you, you know, you when you're out there on Sunday, you know, watch us fly around, watch us um, really get this thing going in the right direction. Sounds good, fans. Again. Go to his website, LorenzoAlexander.org. Hit him up on Twitter at OneManGang97 and support all the great things going on with Lorenzo Alexander. You going to change that to One Man Gang 57? Uh, I don't know yet. I, mean, I just I had 97 for so long, so that's kind of been who I am. So uh, maybe if I keep 57 for more than one year. I mean, last year I was 56, now I'm 57, so we see if I can get some continuity and play in 57 for maybe three, four more years. Maybe I'll switch it up. Do you miss 97? I do miss it. Corbin wouldn't give it up to me, so but he's earned the right to keep it, So uh, and I wasn't buying it, so <laughs> he can have it. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Lorenzo, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck <laughs> moving forward. Let's do it again. All right. Appreciate you, brother. Lorenzo Alexander. Linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. I want to thank Alec Ogletree. I want to thank Willie Rofe. I want to thank Brian Robinson. I also want to thank Lorenzo Alexander. Also want to thank uh, Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild, the working man for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter, at GoForGant. Like us on Facebook, at GoForGant, and support all the great things going on with Paul Gannon and go for it. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care.